Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. To Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. And John, this week was supposed to mark the start of the 2020 World Series of Poker, but uh. alas, there is no WSOP, at least not until the fall. Uh, maybe not at all. We shall see. Uh, it's a shame. This was the year I was going to win the main event. I'm sure of it. Uh, anyway, I- I'll miss the WSOP, but that's nothing compared to baseball for me. That's the sport I really find myself missing right now. How about you? What's the sport we've been denied over the last couple of months that, that you're missing the most? Uh, yeah, you know, initially I thought it was baseball. And remember my brief dalliance with Taiwan baseball about a right. month ago, uh, <laughs> which unfortunately proved to be absolutely terrible. I mean, you know, you figure, well, what's the difference? It's baseball's baseball. Like, no, these guys, no fundamentals. They're thrown to the wrong base. The relief pitchers are horrendous. Uh, yeah, that, that kind of turned me off. So really now I'd go with the PGA Tour, which is getting closer. You know, I've had no Masters, uh, no Players' Championship by now. Uh, and frankly, even the resume schedule in mid-June, you know, it doesn't have a marquee event till late July, but, you know, I'll take the Charles Schwab challenge and the Rocket Morgans and John Deere classics. And mm-hmm. I so wish I was making those names up, but I'm not. <laughs> um, but once we get deep into the NHL and NBA playoffs, uh, I'm certainly going to change my answer. Yeah, uh, boy, sad to see corporate sponsorship uh, invading (laughs) the otherwise so uncorporate world of professional golf. Um, You know, for for me, I think people might assume that it it would be boxing for me uh, since, you know, I, I cover professional boxing on the side and have for more than 20 years. And I do miss boxing to an extent, but at the same time. Boxing takes up a lot of my weekend hours, so a couple of months break, you know, having my Friday and Saturday nights open to watch movies with my family or whatever, it's actually, it's actually been kind of nice. I'm ready for it to end, but it wasn't <laughs> such a bad thing to have that little break. So, as I said, for me, it's, it's definitely been baseball. Um, MLB Network replayed the 1980 World Series a few days ago, <laughs> and I was all sorts of sucked in watching a pretty good chunk of that. And by the way, my takeaway, Mike Schmidt was good at baseball. Hot take, I know. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Philly fans seem to be the last ones to know, but yeah, he was great. Um, I saw I saw last week uh, Game Seven of the '86 World Series, uh, Mets Red Sox, and I was at that game with a, a lucky story. But um, so I'd never seen the broadcast, so it was interesting. Ah. And uh, and also I saw the game uh, Game Five, the winning game of the 1969 World Series, Mets over the Orioles, and um, which I barely remember as a little kid. But in both of them, the Mets trailed 3 nothing in the sixth inning uh, of the deciding game that they actually won, um, which I had never seen the parallel before. So uh, uh, that was kind of fun. Um, but yeah, I've seen enough of that. And I want to see real baseball. <laughs> yeah, but at least it's, it's one of those interesting things, uh, flipping the channels and seeing some of these baseball replays. It's like when it's a classic game that you know has some real significance and you know why they're replaying playing it it's you know it's it's easy to get drawn in and want to hang around for what you know is the big at bat or the big hit coming up or or whatever however when the local station is just playing random phillies regular season games from two years ago that's that's when it's like okay enough we we need we need something real here i'm not sitting through a just a random mid-august game against the mets uh, from from 2018 or something yeah, well, we're we're getting there. Um, you know, I, I've talked before about every two weeks the landscape has changed so much, so we yep. got to keep that in mind. And this last two weeks, the landscape has probably changed better than any any since March. Yeah, been a lot of change. So we'll get into all that. But uh, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number ninety three of Gamble On. That's my high school graduating year, ninety three. Uh, so uh, yeah, do the math. I'm old, uh, but I remain the least old person among the hosts of this podcast. Yeah. Uh, for example, uh-huh. I don't remember the nineteen. 19- 65 World Series. So. 69, 69. 69. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, do you remember the 65? That, no, that would I be going back a little too far, That's I guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, if you missed any of our previous 92 episodes, they're all available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Please click the subscribe button and give us one of those five-star ratings. Uh, I hope so. And uh, kind of a little later in the show, I'm going to be joined by Howard Stutz. Uh, he's executive editor of CDC Gaming Reports and about as knowledgeable Las Vegas gambling industry journalist as you'll ever find. Uh, you know, with the Vegas casino set to begin opening again next week, uh, we figured it's a perfect time to get Howard's insights, and we will. Uh, but first, it's been a eh, not-so-busy news week in the world of gambling, so let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. We talked a bit there at the top of the show about what sports we're missing. For our first news story, let's talk about some sports we might not be missing too much longer. There was significant progress this week from the NHL, with Commissioner Gary Bettman announcing a plan that's been devised that would go straight into the playoffs. And 24 teams are in, 12 in each conference, so the season is over for the seven worst teams. Two cities to be named later will serve as the playoff hubs, and the top four seeds in each conference play three round-robin games to determine seedings, while the 5 through 12 seeds play best-of-five series to advance. Games could start as soon as late July. Meanwhile, the NBA is looking at a similar timeline for starting back up, probably with everything happening on the Disney campus in Orlando. Still no word, though, on whether any regular season games will be played and what the playoff format might look like. In the most definitive sports return timeline news of the week, the Nevada State Athletic Commission gave the green light on Wednesday for boxing and MMA to return to Nevada. There will be a UFC card this Saturday and a top-ranked boxing card on Tuesday, June 9th, all of it televised on ESPN and or ESPN+, and there will be no fans in the arenas. And lastly, 
there's baseball. Oh, baseball. The MLB owners delivered a financial proposal to the players union on Tuesday, and the pay cuts for players are substantial and the players are not happy about it. So even if they can figure out how to play baseball safely during a pandemic, money disputes might block MLB from starting its season. So, John, I'm curious for your take on any or all of this, particularly the NHL playoff format and how it might impact betting and whether you currently believe there will be a baseball season. Yeah, well, you know, I started covering the NBA and NHL, well, I guess, a little over 30 years ago now. And, and uh, yeah, the goalies actually did wear masks by then. But uh, the NBA players still wore short shorts, though, if you've seen in those little highlight <laughs> yeah. videos. Um, uh, but even then, the challenge for the NHL was, and it really still is, um, the fact that the regular season is just a pass-fail course, okay? Any team that makes the playoffs can just ma- have that mask goalie stand on his head for the vernacular and make a run. It's only about a decade ago, I guess, that the West five, six, seven, eight seeds knocked off one, two, three, four in the first round. So hockey postseason is almost always random anyway. So it will be again. Um, and any team whose top goalie spent too much time watching Netflix during the pandemic is doomed then. Um, <laughs> as for the NBA, they're, they have the opposite challenge. The regular season was always way more impactful than the NHLs because home court advantage was so important that making the playoffs wasn't good enough. You needed the highest possible seed, and it wasn't shocking if you know somebody lost in the second or third round of the playoffs because the home team won all seven games. So, so that intensified the regular season uh, for sure. Um, but this summer, there's going to be no home court advantage. So right. you, you, you did a great job. And then, you know, the books, of course, they know this, but I, I think it might not fully factor in a top team this season. That's mostly ridden on a kind of a house of sold out home court crowds that have now gone away. So that's going to be interesting to, to factor in, mm-hmm. um, MLB. Ugh, yeah, I'm nervous. I mean, the players union traditionally has been the strongest of all the sports and, it, but it's relatively weak these days. Uh, Tony Clark is not really a leader. Um, the owners sense this, and so they're pitching some brutal ideas to try and, you know, beat them down, basically. Uh, the problem for the players is that their earning lives are so much shorter. I mean, plus, of, think of all the major team sports, and we'll include MLS in this. If they all resume play, but baseball, which is the least physically dangerous sport to the virus, mm-hmm. they don't even have a season – that's that's pretty risky long term. Uh, you know, the owners and the players, I feel like they're kind of lined up with their own circular firing squads. So that's why I'm nervous. Yeah, it's definitely a bad look if all these other sports get going and, and baseball doesn't. Um, so so my guess there is that both sides will realize some money is better than no money and, and the season will ultimately happen. But it seems like we have to hunker down for a little back and forth hardball negotiating here first. Uh, this is this is very much a uh, an ancillary topic, but um, I was wondering a little bit about what's going to happen with these no spitting rules uh, that they're putting in place for, for baseball, which, you know, they're an, it's an important rule right now. But that is uh, such a force of habit for these guys built up over their entire lifetimes. It's like you take a pitch, you step out of the batter's box, you hock a quick loogie, you step back in. Unless the players wear masks, uh, which is something to consider in a sport that isn't overly aerobic, uh, but un- unless they wear masks, I don't see the spitting going away. That's going to be a tough one to curb there. Uh, that's a little bit tough, but I can tell you the thing that would be toughest to eliminate would be the crotch grabbing. I think that would really be <laughs> well, a, kind of a, a bridge too far uh, for, for players, and I think that would be non-negotiable. It's it's safe, though. As long as you're only grabbing your own crotch, I think that's okay. <laughs> I guess so. Um, yeah. I, I should probably weigh in on the boxing since uh, since that's my area of expertise outside of gambling. 
So make no mistake, this is going to be some pretty mediocre boxing out of the gate. Um, you know, ESPN has been replaying Mike Tyson fights and Sugar Ray Leonard fights and Ali fights the last several weeks. These are not going to be on that level. What they will be is live uh, with the outcomes unknown. Uh, so you can bet on them, uh, but the, the odds are going to be enormous. These could be 100 to 1 type mismatches at first. Basically, they're just putting these fights on to get fighters paid and keep them active. Uh, but I wouldn't expect, you know, someone like you, John, to, to tune into one of these top ranked ESPN <laughs> fights and, and suddenly become a boxing fan. These fights no. will not have that effect on anybody. Um, no. Moving on to, to the NHL. I like this format. It makes sense to me to make the the borderline playoff teams fight for their seasons in best of five series while the top teams get to shake off the rust in, in less meaningful games. Um, and, and, you know, certainly the, the seeding isn't that important without home ice. So what those top four teams in each conference are playing for isn't much. Um, but it, it all brings up an interesting betting point, And this is something you were saying that. Uh, this is going to be, I think, even more of a crapshoot than the typical NHL playoffs, which are basically a crapshoot under the best of circumstances. So, yeah, the underdogs here are going to be very live. And I'll be curious to see the odds on the second round series. You know, a team that just won a best of five takes on a team that just played three exhibition type games. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. That better team that played those exhibition type games has no home ice advantage other than getting to decide which line takes the ice last. Um, You know, if we see lower seeds as like a a plus 200 underdog or more for any of those second round matchups, I think those are going to be good bets. Um, And meanwhile, the playoff format that has been proposed has, uh, has your Maple Leafs who you bet on at the start of the season in there with a fighting chance. (laughs) Yeah. I forgot about that. Uh, You know, it reminds me of, you know, the NCAA had an interesting plan about seven or eight years ago now, I guess, but uh, the play in round, which not only was uh, four teams who were vying for two 16 seeds like my Fairleigh Dickinson University has done several Mm -hmm. times, but also uh, uh, teams vying for an 11 seed. So they were bubble boys in the tournament or out. So they had been fighting for their lives for a month at least, and they got to the point where they barely were going to be on the bubble. So then that team beats another similar team. Well, if if you're that team, you you are honed in unbelievably well, to to your point. Mm -hmm. And they didn't really – they just – figured, well, we don't know which which of the two to pick, so let them duke it out and, and we'll let them play on. Well, the first year or two, Virginia Commonwealth and George Mason, they're making the final four. So this team that they weren't sure to put in the tournament, you know, how did that happen? And, and it's, it's to your point again, where they had been scraping all of their month long to get somehow get to possibly get in and then they have to play a similar team and these are gladiators at this point mm-hmm. and you knock out that other gladiator i mean you're really you've really got something and then you're playing a six seed which is good but not that great and you're just you're just sharper and then once you win that one you go from there you're not playing a one seed for a while you're gonna play a three probably and, and so on maybe a two so uh yeah i think uh nhl the dogs are always live in in, in that sport but uh i agree and the other thing to think about with nhl betting i think it's going to be figuring out maybe like a veteran team the best coach team uh if you can get some noise about which teams have been you know in more regular communication you know which players Star players are great, but are they really in shape, you know, in an offseason? That's the kind of stuff to think about. So I think it's pretty enticing for even somebody who doesn't usually bet on hockey. Yeah, if, if you can put in the work and study it and come up with some some theories as to what might happen, you, you could find an edge here. There, there are definitely some 
intriguing long shots under this new format. You know, if you want to take a shot on Winnipeg or Carolina or something, these are teams that are in the 50 to one kind of range. It feels like any team who's in this is a decent value up at 50 to one. Yeah, I'm thinking of the Rangers who, you know, they basically made a couple of trades and gave up. They're in rebuilding mode, mm-hmm. but there's something feisty about this team. They're supposed to get to the bottom and they didn't they didn't they wouldn't quit. They 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 sort of forced the team to the deadline, the, the owners and the uh, management, you know, before they could do anything because this team just wouldn't wouldn't you know roll over. And then they're still not going to make it. It looks like maybe. And then now they're they're alive. So, you know, that's a young group. I mean, that's kind of interesting to me. Okay. All right. Well, that was a a whole lot of news combined into one complicated item. Our second news item is decidedly more straightforward and focused. It's sports betting legislation news, and it comes to us from the state of Ohio, where HB 194 was amended, advanced out of committee on Wednesday, and is expected to pass on the House floor on Thursday as we record this podcast. This bill does not include anything about mobile betting, but it doesn't prohibit it either. Betting would be allowed at casinos, racetracks, and VFWs with a tax rate of 10%. According to Jill Dorson's report on SportsHandle.com, the biggest sticking point right now is who the regulator will be, the Ohio Lottery or the Ohio Casino Control Commission. In any case, it's looking like a decent shot that Ohio will legalize sports betting in 2020, especially since their legislative session lasts all the way until the end of the year. Ohio is surrounded by states with legal sports betting. So, John, any predictions on whether the Buckeye State joins the party? And could they possibly not include mobile betting when neighboring Pennsylvania, Indiana and West Virginia all have it? Oh, you know, oh, Ohio. Uh, Ohio, frankly, has been behind the expanded gambling legalization times for quite some time now. So, you know, my outsider bet on this would be the whole thing gets tabled until 2021 over just that power play infighting. Mm-hmm. And those three neighbors would reap the benefits. I mean, you know, sensible too often is a casualty of politics. So uh, it, it's hard for me to, uh, you know, be bullish on any kind of uh, Ohio and gambling discussion. All right. Well, I I do think that if it does happen, that uh, I have to think some legislators will try to add mobile to this thing uh, along the way here because of those surrounding states. Uh, You know, I mentioned Pennsylvania, Indiana and West Virginia. Michigan is also a border state and they don't have mobile betting yet, but they will by the time Ohio gets started, uh, whether that's this year, next year or whatever. Um, So that would leave Kentucky as the only Ohio neighbor without mobile betting. So, uh, you know, I just look at it and say it would be an enormous mistake for Ohio to legalize retail sports betting only. They should ask New York State how that's working out. Um, But, you know, uh, it it has been pointed out that the bill as it currently exists does seem to leave it open for mobile to be worked in there. Uh, so, so, So I'll be Mr. Optimistic on that front and say that if something passes, whether it's this year, next year, whatever, uh, I think they're going to work mobile betting into it. They have to. Well, I, I, I would look at something a little bit subtle in, in what you described. Um, casinos and racetracks, that's like New Jersey, right? Mm-hmm. And VFWs, so Veterans of Foreign Wars. So uh, that's a noble cause. There are a lot of uh, American heroes involved. Um, it's also an elderly group. They're going to get together, right, and, and in person at whenever they can, you know, after the pandemic has subsided somewhat. Um, so the, the lawmakers are considering something that is really catering to that group. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But that doesn't really square with also saying, but we got to be with modern times, we're going to have online betting because, um, you know, obviously, you know, mobile betting is 
close to 90 percent in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and presumably would be in Ohio. And that might take away from benefits uh, for VFWs unless they get a, a piece of the action on the right. mobile, which would probably be a good compromise. But you know that takes again a little bit of, of forethought and, and uh, maneuvering, and that's that makes me a little bit skeptical. All right, yeah, that's 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 a good point. All right, so we'll we'll see how it shakes out. Certainly in the the early stages of trying to move that legislation along there. Um, so in just a few minutes, uh, we will be talking to Howard Stutz about Las Vegas reopening. The second biggest casino city is Atlantic City. So let's take a look at the Jersey Shore town and the latest news on when casinos there might open back up. As John wrote a few weeks ago, Memorial Day weekend was a non-starter. So now Atlantic County Chairman Michael Suleiman is pushing Governor Phil Murphy, who has taken a very cautious approach to this point, to open things up by Fourth of July weekend. On the one hand, opening up casinos is a lot less healthy during a pandemic than opening up parks and beaches and the like. On the other hand, casinos drive the whole economy of Atlantic City, and there will be people at the Jersey Shore over the summer looking for things to do and places to go. So, John, I know you've been following this closely. What are the politics behind this situation? And are Governor Murphy's hands tied in the sense that there's going to be too much pressure on him to open up by July 4th for him to resist, even if he personally doesn't feel it's safe enough yet. Yeah, I mean, it's worth noting that both Suleiman and State Senate President Steve Sweeney are fellow Democrats like Murphy. So uh, this is, uh, you know, an intramural squabble, basically. <laughs> uh, you know, Sweeney four years ago seemed to be the front runner of place Chris Christie. Uh, uh, the two of them had kind of forged an unusual bipartisan alliance at times in getting bills passed. Uh, and then millionaire, uh, billionaire Murphy stomped his dreams, same way that fellow Goldman Sachs alumnus uh, John Corzine had torpedoed Richard Cody's bid a decade earlier. Um, but no bill passes in Trenton without Sweeney's imprimatur. So he still holds mighty political clout. Um, and any, anyone who wonders about that, ask about the millionaire's tax hike or legalized marijuana, which uh, uh, Murphy ran on and promised would be implemented basically immediately. And over three years later, it still hasn't happened. Mm. So, you know, and Sweeney is saying his fear is not that the state reopens too soon in general, but that it reopens too late. And that those words have meaning politically. Mm. Uh, so basically, Murphy got a free pass from all sides on keeping Atlantic City casinos closed until last week's Memorial Day weekend, as you know. Uh, but now it's time to play hardball. I mean... Murphy, again, as you know, is generally being a little cautious and that only history is going to tell us if that was the best play. It's it's not the worst play, but it's it, we don't know if it's the best play. Uh, but he tried resisting allowing even outdoor graduations this summer. And the bipartisan pushback was so fierce, he folded that hand last week. And right. uh, uh, that's going to happen starting in, in July. And I expect the same thing to happen here regarding July 4th weekend. Um, you know, Atlantic County is perhaps the lowest death rate in all of New Jersey, thankfully. Uh, so employees are not living in a major hotspot. And that's that's important. Uh, now, many of his customers, you know, do live in a hotspot, you know, as someone, uh, myself living in North Jersey, where the bulk of the state's 11,000 or so deaths have occurred, you know, uh, but I don't see any resistance here to wearing masks or any other recommended precautions. If they visit AC, my neighbors, they'll behave themselves, you know, right. uh, although I would hire an extra security guard or two to patrol near the socially distancing casino bar anyway, just in case. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, you know, when when Howard joins us, I'll ask him about Governor Sisolak uh, in, out, in, out in Nevada, but I get the same feeling from both both governors here that if it were entirely up to them, they'd wait longer to open up casinos, but mm. arms are being twisted. And at some point you have to say, okay, let's ease restrictions. We're probably going to get another spike in cases to some degree, but I can't keep saying no forever. Uh, what I wonder about is 
whether many of these casinos in Atlantic City can even break even in terms of payroll and the cost of turning the lights on when they're mm -hmm. operating at such limited capacity. But at least they're able to get furloughed employees back to work, um, you know, as long as those uh, who don't feel it's safe enough and don't want to return to work can keep collecting unemployment benefits. I, uh, I, I would think that's an, an important part of this. Um, but look, with with all of these reopenings, um, you know, it's it's hard to sit back and say, well, there's going to be a little trial and error when human lives are at stake. And and so mm -hmm. that error means sickness and, and, and death in this environment. But unfortunately, you know, that's that's where we are. The federal government, we know uh, their involvement. They've really abdicated all responsibility on this. And, uh, and so these governors are under all the pressure to decide. And there are no right answers, only, you know, less wrong answers maybe in some cases. So uh, I, one thing that I'll just say here to finish is that I guess Atlantic City between now and July 4th, we'll have the benefit of seeing how well or how poorly things go in Vegas in June, uh, which is something we'll be discussing with Howard. Yeah, well, the other thing to keep in mind that, that really ratchets up the pressure is that, you know, this idea, we all know about small business owners who really are on the fence of, can they survive? You know, mm. and if they close, they close for good. And we recognize that's an issue. Um, but a, a little more like, like that is Atlantic City than Las Vegas, meaning that the nine casinos in Atlantic City, several... I think possibly might announce they're closing permanently if they're not open by July 4th. So mm. that's a couple thousand jobs per casino. And that's a big hit on the state's economy and morale. I mean, there's so much involved. So uh, that's boy, I'm glad I'm not the governor. I'll say that. <laughs> yes. Same here. OK. And by same here, I meant I'm glad I'm not the governor either. But I'm also glad you're not the governor. To be <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. Even as legal gambling and sports betting continue to expand across the nation, Las Vegas remains the gambling capital of the U.S. And after a shutdown of about two and a half months, casinos in that gambling capital city are getting ready to open back up. So joining us now on the podcast to discuss all things Vegas is a man who has lived there and covered the gaming industry there for more than three decades, formerly a journalist for the Las Vegas Review Journal, now the executive editor of CDC Gaming Reports, Howard Stutz. Howard, thanks for joining us on Gamble On. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm just looking forward to it. So let's start with the big news that you reported on Wednesday morning, Governor Sisolak giving casinos the go-ahead to open on June 4th, one week from now. Over the last couple of months, we saw two extremes, the governor taking a cautious approach, Mayor Carolyn Goodman wanting everything opened back up weeks ago. What's the general feeling in the Las Vegas community and in the industry about this June 4th timing? Is there much trepidation or do the great majority seem to be feeling like it's time, the city just can't stay shut down any longer? Uh, a little bit of all that. Um, it, it was really, when the mayor made her big you know, big good pronouncement on Anderson Cooper and said it's time to everything to reopen. You know, the people you didn't hear from who were really silent were the casino operators. They didn't they they didn't really see it as they knew they were going to take some. This was going to be a, a, a process to to get open. They didn't want to open right away. It wasn't you know we're not going to be a they didn't want to be the test case you know or a case study or whatever whatever crazy term she used. <laughs> right. Some um, control group. There you go. Right. But it was just, it. Yeah. It just became. They knew this was going to be a, a slow process, and 
the governor back in earlier this month, he announced the first phase one of the openings and casinos weren't part of it. And neither were like, you know, we have a lot of uh, properties out here, a lot of taverns with, with 15 slot machines, uh, the bar top slots. They weren't part of it either. The taverns could open and serve food, but the gaming had to stay off. So with the announcement, it kind of came down a little bit, you know, last week or the end of last week, he said, we're looking at June 4th to reopen casinos. And then Wednesday night, you know, became official. So the casinos want, need the lead time to go mm-hmm. ahead and market to their customers, to let people know they're opening. They, they've all put into place their various plans of health and safety, of social distancing. What, what we're seeing around the country right now, what we're seeing in Louisiana, Mississippi, and California, all the Indian properties around the U.S., is social distancing, uh, it's plexiglass between slot machines or on tables, you know, turning on, you know, one slot on, two slots off. I mean, it's, you know, it's 50% capacity. We're seeing all that. That's what we're going to see in Las Vegas starting next week. We just don't know what it's going to look like yet. <laughs> you know, and, you know, and people coming here, are they going to be lined up out the door um, waiting to come in? Or is it just going to be a handful of folks and a bunch of looky loos going, I haven't been in this place in two months. What the heck is going on over here? So we just don't know. And that's, that's what we're looking for next week. But same type of, same type of openings you've seen around the country, reduced capacity, you know, hand washing, you know, the masks, um, PPE, everything that you would, that you see elsewhere, you're seeing it. You're going to see it here. Yeah. Uh, Howard, kind of my simple question would be, uh, which casino games do you think will rebound first and which ones will take a little longer? And I probably have a little bit of an opinion on that, too. But on the larger scale, are there any casino games that really may not have a future, at least in 2020 or maybe forever? And then also, is there is there room for like new innovation, new technology where new games could be introduced that maybe didn't quite make sense in a pre- previous time, but now are a lot more efficient and safe for not only players but for the workers and just have a perception where somebody might say oh i like that type of game i'll go now i'll go to the casino now i feel safe yeah i think you're going to see right now we're the poker rooms some of the properties aren't going to open their poker rooms because they're saying you only have four to a table and you know poker players like a lot you know like six whatever it is six eight 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 to a table so they're not going to open bingo which is still in a lot of the local casinos out here they may not open the po- those rooms because the social distancing, keeping people, you know, spacing people out. You know, usually they're shoulder to shoulder with multiple cards in front of them. So they may not reopen. I think, you know, the slots and, and the tables, some, you know, blackjack will probably, you know, even with three, four players will still open. It'll still do well. And I think, I think the big thing will be when we finally have real sports and the sports books can open up again. And we're, you're seeing, you know, you, you see this in, you know, Back in New Jersey and in Pennsylvania, mobile and o- mobile and online gaming are doing real well, and especially mobile sports betting. I think we're going to see more of that. Obviously, here there may be a push here at some point where um, internet gaming is legalized beyond just internet poker, because uh, the internet poker Caesars there's the only one site Caesars Entertainment, you know, World Series of Poker, and it's doing quite well. They even said early on they were at forty five percent in their uh, in their wagers so and the other thing i think we're going to start seeing is possibly the the push toward cashless gaming where you'll have a mobile wallet possibly be you know to be used um some of the companies are talking you know 
more so where you can just wave your phone in front of the slot machine or, you know, and, and, and it takes the, and, it, and, it, and it, you get the chips. I, I think you're going to see some of that. We may see uh, what we see in Europe, these table games where there's uh, virtual chips. There's a blackjack table and it's an iPad's embedded in the, in the, in the table. It looks like an iPad and, and that's where you have your chips. So there's no chips touching and, 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 uh, you know, I think one of the things they're talking about here starting next week is blackjack will be dealt face up so you don't have to touch your cards. So that's good. You know, so there could be some, a lot of, there'd be some changes going on. Like I said, I'm telling people, this is really going to be a play as you go, as you go along and see what, see what moves forward. But, but I think there'll be, I, I think, you know, I think some of the, the re- traditional games will, it'll be very slow coming back. That's going to be, that's going to be the big thing. Right. Well, speaking of of that, the the pace at which it's going to come back, what seem to be the casino's expectations out of the gate in terms of visitation and hotel occupancy and things like that? Like, do they seem to believe that large groups of people will quickly return to Las Vegas, or is the general sense that the first few weeks or or even the whole summer might indeed be very slow and that, you know, this, this mandated social distancing at tables where you have maybe three max to a blackjack table, that that's going to be easy because it's just going to match the demand basically. Yeah. I think it's going to be slow. They, they're expecting that, you know, Caesars palace is going to reopen on June 4th. They have 4,000 hotel rooms. They're going to open maybe one tower and, and half of that. And they'll just increase as it goes along. The key to Vegas are two things. Conventions, mm. which we're not going to see a lot of in the first, you know, this summer because most of them canceled um, and are but, are, but some have rebooked for later in the year. So that's going to be one, one thing that's going to be we're going to miss. And air, we, we need air traffic. We need the, uh, the air capacity coming in. Derek Stevens, the owner of the D Las Vegas, who's building the Circa, he announced a promotion today. He bought a thousand plane tickets on multiple flights for flights into Las Vegas from all these different markets on like five different airlines, put them up today, thousand seats, and they sold out. They actually oversold. Hmm. I think he's, he's going to announce another, uh, another thousand seats here. Um, so he, he's doing that. And these are flights that are still coming into Vegas, very small, you know, like Allegiant and, and, and Spirit and those type of uh, airlines. But it's a way of getting people here. As soon as we have the air traffic, then we're going to get a lot of the out-of-town visitors. Right now, I think what we're going to see this weekend or the next weekend when, it, when everything opens, we're going to see a lot of driving traffic from Southern California and um, uh, you know, Arizona. And we'll go from there and we'll see what happens. You're going to see a lot of locals going down to the Strip just to see what it looks like, you know, and see if, it, if they're open. Everybody's been biking the Strip, you know, right now because it's all closed. So maybe we'll see what it looks like. That's right. Does the yeah. fact that it's opening back up, does that in any way hurt Vegas's chances of hosting a professional sports league the way that this has been talked about, that it could be an NBA or NHL hub city? Do, does that seem to make any difference if there are more people out and about in Vegas? I don't think so, because I think, you know, you know, there's, if you look at, you know, if you're familiar with the T-Mobile arena is, is right mm-hmm. behind the New York, New York, next to Park MGM. You could see that the NHL would take an MGM, and they're not opening Park MGM right now. New York, New York's going to reopen. Okay. You could see where they, the NHL could strike a deal with 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 M, with MGM, take you know just book Park for all these teams, let them stay there and and their bases, and 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 then they just like walk over to the arena. They're right, it's right out in front. Just walk across to it. I mean, I'm hoping that'll that's what'll happen here with this that you know, Vegas will be one of the hub cities. It looks like the NBA is going to Orlando, but 
you know, we're hopeful that the NHL, this will be one of the hub cities. Question will be fans, whether they're going to allow fans in on the game. You know, it's just going to be fanless and watch it on TV, or you know, are they going to are they going to figure out some way to get fans in the arena and space it out? Right. Uh, you know, so that that's going to be the question. But I don't think that's going to hurt. The big thing around here also is the Raiders Stadium opening up in August. Um, you know, we you know, it's all up in the air what what the NFL is going to do. You know, by August, will they? You know, we're going to have the first the Raiders' first exhibition game is August 29th. That weekend, my wife and I have our season seats for UNLV football. Now, you know, it doesn't draw the Raiders, so social distancing is not going to be a problem in that stadium for UNLV football. But it'll be, but it'll, but it, that's going to be a big push. If you get, if, if we're able to have fans come in, if it's slowed, if everything's, you know, with the pandemic is, if it's, you know, on the down and we're able to do fans, then that'll be a big, that'll be a big, a big boost for Vegas, especially with the Raiders. There's going to be so many out of town fans coming to the Raiders. Right. You know, Howard, I'd, I'd love to be going out to G2E again in this October and uh, be there. And it's as if nothing ever happened. It's just exactly business as usual, just like last year. Uh, a, I don't even know if I'm going to get out there. And B, if I do, it's, I'm, I'm not going to see, uh, you know, 2019 all over again. It's going to be different. But, you know, if you're a betting man, uh, what year is it fair to be hopeful to think that um, things will get back to just the way they were? Or, you know, is the line on, on never the way it was again? I think it'll be it'll be back to what it was at, at some point. A lot of it deals with um, a vaccine for the pandemic. That's going to be you know that's what you know that that's one thing. Getting the conventions back. Vegas last year produced well Nevada last year produced twelve billion dollars in gaming revenue. You know so basically averaged a billion dollars a month. January and February were billion dollar months for Nevada. March was down 60 percent. And April's coming up. They're going to announce numbers this week, and it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be a big zero, pretty pretty close to it. Mm-hmm. So I've been saying twelve to eighteen months before we see a billion dollar month in the, in Nevada. I think that's what it's going to take. That's just my guess. That's a year out. Uh, you know, it, and it all depends on if we see another hit with this pandemic. You know, we don't know. You know what happens in the winter. So it, but it seems to be a be like a 12, 12 to eighteen months before we really see and see see the return, and it will return. I mean, it 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 this that people come here for not just the gambling. I mean, you can gamble in forty three states. So there's casinos in forty three states you can gamble at. People come here for the Vegas experience, and that's what we need to get back. And that's that's going to take a while because entertainment is going to be one of the last. You know, the big entertainment, big shows. Uh, that's what's really going to take time. So. We'll see how it goes. All right. Well, uh, hopefully uh, we are on the upswing and it starts with the casinos opening uh, back up in, in just a few days. Uh, thanks so much for, for joining us, Howard. We know you're a busy man with a lot of your own work to do this week. So we appreciate you taking the time to join us on Gamble On. Anytime. Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We 
won't be placing any bets this week. Uh, so just a quick bankroll update before we wrap up the show. We each placed one bet on the match to Tiger and Peyton versus Phil and Tom. And as proof that knowing the sport is only half the battle in sports betting, my bet won and John's bet lost. Uh, John took the underdogs, Mickelson and Brady, to win at plus 160, and they came up a bit short. So we lost $100 on that. Uh, I bet on Tiger to come closest to the hole on the tee shot on hole four. And my research was a disaster. Uh, I don't know where I went wrong in determining that the fourth hole was a par five, but it turns out (laughs) it was a par three. Um, But the result of the bet was good as Tiger hit a great tee shot about eight feet from the cup to win us $75 on a $60 bet. So combined, we lost 25 bucks for the week and we're now up by $189 with $990 still on hold in futures bets. John, thought on the match too and on Mickelson and Brady's comeback that came up just a little short uh well yeah I had the right price for that wager and only lost one up so no regrets there um you know Luke Donald who is by far the most obscure player ever the ranked number one in the world in golf um he's played with both Brady and Peyton Manning and he favored Brady's game on some podcast I heard which just goes to show never trust anything you hear on a podcast by the way <laughs> In terms of gambling advice. But, uh, you know, overall, the first 90 minutes was just dreadful. You know, it's for charity, so you can't say it's a complete waste of time or anything. It's good. It raised $20 million, for God's sakes. I mean, uh, there's only so much uh, criticism you can have for that. Um, But the outing really picked up steam on the eighth hole. And, you know, moments after dreadful golfer Charles Barkley, who was one of the announcers, he's talking trash into Tom Brady's earpiece. And the next shot, the expat quarterback miraculously holes out from about 150 yards away for a birdie on a par five. You know, and then the next tee, Peyton Manning deadpan saying, you know, well, Brooks Kepka just had called in and offered one hundred thousand dollars if uh, Tom parred any of the uh, last four holes in the front nine <laughs> to mm. charity. And then so Peyton was saying, you know, well, you know, do you get the money? You still haven't made a par. <laughs> it was just hilarious. So and finally, you know, full disclosure, I entered the DraftKings National Media Pool contest for this event, you know, coming off that solid tied for fifth out of 30 in the NFL draft questions version. Mm-hmm. Uh, my gambit was to short Tiger Woods, and, you know, if you shoot at the king, you, you best not miss. Um, <laughs> so grateful as I am that the official standing showed three tied at last place, four and eight. I must confess to being one of those three poor bastards. Uh, well, good for you for admitting it, I guess, but you really didn't have to. Have to. Nobody would have ever known. But, uh, We're all about responsibility here. You know? I guess so. Um, and we should clarify, there is no truth to the rumor that the match three will be Woods and Brennan versus Mickelson and Raskin with a winning team uh, getting to host Gamble On together moving forward. That that rumor is, is false. We should come out. That would, and, that uh, would uh, be brutal. That would be like the first three holes of this match uh, last weekend. Um, <laughs> but it would be 18 of them, yeah. Off. Right. Yeah, no, not not fun to watch. But I, I would think that our on on the golf course uh, banter into the microphones might be as good as if not better than awesome. uh, what Brady awesome. and Manning were able to provide. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> All right. That will do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to our guest, Howard Stutz. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And with that, John, please do your thing and take us out.
Yeah, Eric, I'll surprise you by having a little bit of hair advice, which I rarely offer. Mm. Um, you know, living in the lion's den of the pandemic, pretty much, uh, you know, I felt as if letting my beard grow wild for the last two and a half months uh, nicely reflected my dystopian mood. You know, that's that's how I felt and that's how I looked. And yeah, it looked was kind of vaguely Rutherford B. Hayes or one of the Smith <laughs> brothers on the old cough drop boxes or, or something like that. Uh, and then a few days ago, uh, while flipping the dial, uh, I ran across a Lifetime Achievement Award special honoring David Letterman. And I realized, oh, my God, that's that's my look, that that Letterman retired look with the crazy beard, the right. crazy guy. And that shook me into realization that, you know, this runaway beard wasn't reflecting my mood so much as it was kind of driving it. So I bought a new electric razor at Target, uh, started trimming the hedges, so to speak. And suddenly I got a lot of my group back right right then, you know, because, you know, I kind of was taking control of things a little bit. Finally, uh, you know, it's easy these days to take a pass at some basic standards. But uh, trust me, insisting on an appropriate level of appearance for yourself if you aren't already there It'll do you a world of good. So with that, until next time, gamble on.